But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body that he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perishable nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Uh, thanks, Lynn. Uh, if you've uh, got a Bible, please uh, do keep that open. Oh, let me just start um, the recording. As Tim would say, best behaviour now. I think that's working. Uh, let me pray, and then uh, we're going to look through this uh, passage for about 25 minutes and uh, see uh, what it has to say for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this great chapter on the resurrection uh, of both Christ and of us uh, uh, when Christ returns. We pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you'd convince us. We pray that you'd teach us. Most of all, we pray that you'd show us more of your love and show us how we can respond well to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, most of you know uh, that I'm a big fan of Land Rovers. 
even if I can't afford to run one in this country. Uh, and anyone who knows Land Rovers uh, will know the owner's mantra to Land Rover. Does anyone know the owner's? Joe? There's probably several. The joy of owning one is the joy of fixing it. That's not the mantra, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, of course, one life, live it. One life, live it. Uh, now, I will take any old excuse to enjoy uh, boring you with a slideshow of some of my photos. And then I thought I could do that with Land Rovers as well. I mean, it's like a dream come true. So I'm going to sit down for a second. Uh, let's uh, enjoy a few. <laughs> good, good. Next. <laughs> keep, keep going. There's loads of these. Yeah. 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 Oh, is that... Oh, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, it is quite appealing, isn't it? One life, live it. That, that's an, an appealing mantra. Um, uh, it's a reminder that life is short, uh, it's limited. Uh, so you've got to get on and enjoy it, haven't you? One life, live it. And of course, you can only really enjoy life if you have a Land Rover to get to you to all those places you could never get to otherwise. One life, live it. Uh, it's, an, it's actually a, a motto adapted from the Bible. Uh, in last week, we ended with last week, uh, sorry, in last week in verse 32. Just have a look if you're there. Uh, and Paul writes this. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's the mantra of my generation. I don't know about some of you younger guys. It's appealing, though, isn't it? One life, live it. And I don't know what your live it is. It's probably not Land Rovers. Uh, I don't know if it's at your football team or your family or your career or the next big holiday. One life, live it. The problem, of course, is that the Bible is not actually encouraging us to live by this mantra. But Paul is actually dismissing it. Uh, if this life is all it really is, he said, if death is really the end, he says, then by all means, one life, live it. Buy your Land Rover. That's as good as it gets. And even that's not great. Have a look at the next two pictures. Yeah. That's actually me towing a different Land Rover, I'll just say. Mine was still working at that point. <laughs> I sold that. Uh, the, the problem is, if this is all there is in life, if this life is all we've got, then we might as well live it. But Paul has spent all of the chapter 15 so far telling us that there is a resurrection to come. This is not the end. Uh, so again, in last week's passage, verse 23, uh, he writes this, But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits then, when he comes, then those who belong to him. In other words, Christ has already risen. He's the first fruit. And when he comes back again, all of the rest of us will be raised to new life as well. Death is not the end. We will be raised to new life, either to face God's judgment uh, or if we repent and believe in the good news and the forgiveness of Jesus, the one who died and rose again, the first fruit, guaranteeing our resurrection as well. If we repent and believe, we too will be raised to new life. And so then in this latter part of chapter 15, Paul answers uh, some obvious questions we might have when someone makes such a huge statement as that. So verse 35, the first verse in our passage today. 
he says. But some will ask, how will the dead raise? Or with what kind of body will they come? If there is a resurrection, how is it going to happen? What, what will it be like? What will our resurrection be like? What will our bodies be like? Will, will we have bodies? Or will we be just sort of floating around uh, as sort of souls? And once we know all that, what does that mean for life now? Is it still one life, live it? Or, or is it something else? Is it one life, then sort of live it, but then live another one? Or or is it two lives, but now, or how, or is it one life sort of, but live this one, and then what do we do with this information that there is another life, another body to come? Well, let's see what Paul has to say about our resurrection and what that means for us now. I've got three points all about uh, resurrection, and the first one is this. It's going to happen resurrection it is going to happen Uh, it seems impossible doesn't it uh, that a dead body that is buried and rotted away or cremated and the and the ashes spread it seems impossible that those things could rise again Uh, but paul uses an example of planting a seed to convince us it's going to happen verse 37 when you sow Uh, You do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. Uh, The general point being is that a a seed is nothing like the plant, is it? You plant this small sort of woody, dead-looking thing, and you get an extraordinary plant. Uh, We see God do this in nature every day, is his point. How could we doubt the resurrection? Uh, Paul's quite clearly a bit frustrated with the Corinthians when he writes to them for their lack of faith in the bodily resurrection. Uh, That's why he calls them fools in verse 36. Look at the seed. It it has to die, by which he probably just means it it has to be buried, put in the ground, or perhaps he means it drops off the plant uh, as if dead and lies on the ground. He's not giving a science lesson. He's giving an illustration. But just because something dies, he says and is buried, does not mean that it cannot raise to be something new and wonderfully different. And when God is in the mix, well, anything can happen. Verse 38, but God gives it a body, as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. God is the creator of all life, and so he's the creator of the resurrection life. It's not as if he hasn't done it before, seems to be Paul's point. Look around you. Nothing existed. Now all of this existed. He can do it again. Verse 39. Uh, Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals another kind, birds another kind, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and the stars differ differ from stars in splendor. God has done this already. If you've eaten fish and compared that to eating lamb, sorry if you're a vegetarian, then you know how different the flesh is from each other. When you look at the moon, it's so different from the sun. When you look at the stars and their size and their majesty, they all look different. 
There are even heavenly bodies, he says, and earthly bodies, physical beings existing in the heavenly realm. Right now, uh, heavenly creatures worshipping and serving God Almighty. Jesus himself, of course, in his resurrection body. And there's also human bodies on earth. Look around you. Different to heavenly bodies, but certain. God is quite capable of raising flesh from death and into something new. It's going to happen. So the resurrection is going to happen. Secondly, the resurrection is going to be so much better. The resurrection is going to be so much better. Have a look at verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Our perishable bodies, meaning they will waste away, as we can observe looking at life, will be raised imperishable. They will never waste away. They will remain eternally. Our dishonourable bodies now that we use for selfish and sinful ways will be raised in glory. Our weak bodies now will be raised in power. That means death is gone in the resurrection. Cancer is gone. Depression is gone. Injury is gone. Tears are gone. Pain is gone. Giving in to temptation is gone. Selfishness is gone. Sin is gone. Struggling with work is gone. Difficult relationships is gone. Pride is gone. We will be raised and our bodies uh, will be real. Our lives will be wonderful and glorious and powerful and they will honour and enjoy God and all of his goodness and work for him all the time in joy and perfection. Uh, tiredness will be replaced by energy. Struggle will be replaced with success. Self-interest replaced with a joyous love for Jesus and each other. Fear replaced by wonder and joy. Boredom replaced by excitement. Loneliness replaced by perfect fellowship with each other and the Lord Jesus in person. Disabilities replaced by fullness and freedom. There will be a continuity in our resurrected bodies. After all, a seed grows into what it's meant to be. It will just be so much better. Uh, Paul moves to make the same point, I think, from a, a picture illustration uh, of a seed to a more theological uh, demonstration of how much better our bodies will be uh, when we're raised. Have a look at verse 44. Uh, so it is sown a natural body... It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, came, uh, became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus, a life-giving spirit. Uh, now when he says uh, there'll be a, a natural and a spiritual body, he doesn't mean that there won't be a physical body. Uh, that would be to undermine his whole point here. 
His point is that now we are natural. We have natural bodies in the sense that we are in the bodily likeness of Adam. Adam, the first man created, who is he's like a representative for all of humanity. But when we are raised, we will be in the likeness of Jesus himself, spiritual. Uh, Romans uh, 5.12 puts it like this. I think it's on the screen. Uh, this is Paul writing as well. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that was Adam, and death through sin, so death entered the world through that natural body, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Our natural bodies, who we are now, are enslaved to sin. And therefore we face the consequence of sin, which is death. That was a consequence given to Adam for the first sin, for all mankind. That's exactly the reason why we need the Lord Jesus, to give us forgiveness and salvation. Jesus, you see, was the only man who overcame that enslavement to sin, that enslavement to Adam. He was, if you like, enslaved instead to the Holy Spirit, and therefore perfectly obedient to God the Father in every way. So he did not deserve death like we do, but he chose to take it anyway, taking the punishment we deserve so that we may inherit his life. So in Jesus, we are freed from sin, but we do still currently live in those same natural bodies that belong to Adam. But a new body, he says, is on its way. And it will be so much better. If you like, we will fully achieve, when Jesus returns and raises us to new life, we will fully achieve what we already are spiritually if we believe in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. But at the moment, we're still trapped in these earthly bodies, natural bodies, that still belong to Adam and death. Uh, Romans puts it again, Paul puts it again like this in Romans 7, 18 to 24 on the screen. I'm not going to get this right. There's lots of I do's and who's in here. Here we go. Uh, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. Good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, my natural body. For I have the desire to do what is good because he's saved, that has a spirit in his heart, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, But the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another work. Sorry, another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? That is a great question to ask, isn't it? Even though we're saved in the Lord Jesus, Our bodies, our natural bodies, still wrestle with sin and face death. Who will rescue us? But our future bodies, because of our trust in the Lord Jesus, are not any longer going to be governed by Adam, by our natural bodies, but by spiritual bodies. We'll be enlivened perfectly by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus in every way. 
just as we are now in faith, our bodies will one day catch up, if you like. If if this life, our bodies are natural, flesh and blood, he calls it in verse 50, meaning we, we belong to Adam, we belong to sin. But in Christ, we will be raised spiritually. We will have heavenly bodies, governed perfectly by the Holy Spirit, and we will glorify him in every way. All sin, all sadness, all evil will be left uh, in the ground, if you like, on the cross with Jesus as we are raised in Christ. Uh, verse 49 puts it like this, For just as we bought, have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. That is what's to come. Or to put it another way, verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We're going to be changed, and it's going to be so much better. Uh, if you're here today and you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour for the forgiveness of your sins, do you hear what is at stake? There is no inheritance for those who remain in the flesh and blood, who remain in sin. We need new bodies. We need to be enlivened by Jesus and the Holy Spirit to enter glorious, eternal uh, life with God. Uh, Elsewhere, the Bible explains that we will all raise to new life, even those who have rejected Jesus, But if we've rejected Jesus, we will face his judgment and hell, an eternal death, if you like, the the eternal consequence of sin. Because we've rejected his incredible offer, his free offer of forgiveness and new life, a new body. But it can all change simply by believing and repenting. That is good news. And then when Christ returns, what has already been done in our hearts through the Spirit, our bodies will too be changed when he returns. So for believers, uh, that, that taste of faith and the Spirit that we have now will become a feast of faith and the Spirit when Christ returns in our new bodies. That taste of spiritual assurement will become an eternal reality The taste of Jesus we enjoy will become everything to us. The the perishable will become imperishable. The mortal becomes immortal. Resurrection is going to be so much better. And then thirdly, resurrection. It's going to be exciting and glorious. So it's going to happen. It's going to be so much better if we trust and believe in the Lord Jesus. It's going to be exciting and glorious. Have a look at verse 51. Uh, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Uh, Paul simply means that before this creation comes to an end, while people are still living, Jesus will return to this earth and all will be changed. Uh, whether you're long dead and buried like Paul, who's writing this letter, or still living, perhaps like some of us, if Jesus returns in our lifetime, all will be changed. All will receive new bodies. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 
17 speaks of uh, the living being snatched up into the air with Christ when he returns. Those who were formerly dead, those who are still living and changed. All are gloriously changed. Changed in an instant into our heavenly, new, eternal, imperishable, immortal, perfect, better, inevitable bodies. Verse 52 in our passage. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the Christian believer... Jesus' return will be exciting and sudden and glorious and explosive and loud. The trumpet, instant, done. Verse 54. When the perishable have, has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? This is the confidence we have in Christ. Even death is defeated when Christ returns. Where is your victory, death? We have new imperishable bodies. Where is the eternal enslavement to sin and Satan and evil that our natural humanity deserves and promises? Where is it? It's gone in Christ. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer will we sin. No longer will we break the law of God. No longer will we face pain or tears or frustration or anguish. No longer will we be battling our bodies who crave sin. No longer will death hold any power or fear over us at all. No longer will work or relationships be difficult or hard. Our resurrection is going to happen. It's going to be so much better. It's inevitable for the power of God will achieve it. It's going to be sudden and exciting and glorious. One life, live it, forget that. Paul has very different expectations for believers who, are raised, who will be raised to new heavenly bodies. He says, don't eat, drink and be merry. Forget one life, live it. He suggests a very different way. Have a look at verse 58. Therefore, because of the resurrection, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold on to Jesus. Let nothing move you, he says. And always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. How vain? Vain just means uh, without success or result. How vain so much of our effort and our attitudes and our decisions and our work is in this life. How, how vain it is without success or result. We scramble after careers or education or nice housing or Land Rovers or better jobs or more respect or cool friends or good times. How those things are in vain in light of eternity. They'll all come to nothing. It's all in, in vain. 
sure there's some earthly results here, but in the light of eternity, it's vain. But we have a better vision, says Paul. We, we have a better way now in response to our future resurrection with the risen Lord Jesus before us. He's the first fruit of resurrection, guaranteeing his return and our resurrection as well to glorious new imperishable bodies. And so we can now give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Uh, You can choose Jesus, not self. You, You can sacrifice much. You can love others at great cost to yourself. You can deny yourself. We can be bold in declaring the name and salvation of Jesus. We can preach of Jesus, which earlier Paul said would be in vain if there was no resurrection. We can persevere under peer pressure against our, our faith at school or at work. We can keep going for Jesus even when we're exhausted. Because not one sweat drop will of effort or labour for the Lord will be in vain, says Paul. Not one sweat drop of effort or labour for the Lord will be in vain. It will have success. It will be full of success and results for all eternity. That's our response to our future resurrections. One life, live it. How about we change it to one life, give it to Jesus in every way. Sorry for the cheesy picture. Uh, Let me pray as we close. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Heavenly Father, uh, if we are sitting here and we're not sure we know or believe in you, open our hearts and our eyes to see that we need your love and forgiveness in Jesus. Hear us as we repent and believe in him alone. And thank you that in that faith, while our bodies still struggle with sin and face weakness and death, we thank you that in that faith in Jesus, we know because of his resurrection, he will return and he will rise us to new life as well. We praise you that we have bodies that will be so much better, perfect in every way, able to glorify you every day, to enjoy every minute, every second, as we praise you and work for your glory. May that be true of us now. May we give up on the vain things of this life and hold dearly to all that you have before us. May we think of you in every decision. May we act for you in every action. May we pray to you in every need. May we choose your ways, not our own, for we know there will be great reward as we enjoy you forever. We pray that we would have this one life and give it to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.